I want to jump in and finish a series I started a couple couple weeks ago called Stand. Uh, we started in Ephesians chapter 6. It's one of my favorite passages, um, the armor of God. I remember um, reading about this. I was, uh, I was six years old, and my parents started attending a church. I still remember it. And uh, we were able to... Um, to learn some scriptures. I actually won a Bible for memorizing more scriptures than everybody else. And so that had nothing to do with me being a, you know, a Jesus follower. I was about six years old. Had everything to do with my ambition and the fact that I wanted to beat everybody else in the class. And so thankfully the Lord is working on that. I'm not saying he's finished. I'm just saying <laughs> he's been working on that for a while. Um, but this is one of the passages I memorized and remembered uh, reading this. Didn't completely understand it when I became a, a believer really around my 20s, early 20s. Um, this started making sense because this is one of those aspects of it's not just a cutesy scripture. It's a, it's a scripture that, that helps build into us what's going to allow us to stand in the evil day. And it turns out the evil day is not, you know, the, the Armageddon. It's not the zombie apocalypse that everybody keeps talking about <laughs> in the Christian version of that, whatever that is. But it's a... Uh, it, it, the evil day is whatever day of adversity you find yourself in. And there's this passage, my wife likes to quote it from time to time. Um, she, says, she says it this way, it's just the scripture says, if you fail in the day um, of adversity, your strength was weak. And I remember reading that thinking, God, that's just, that's not kind. <laughs> right? It's like, you, it just sounds like, you know, you're just kind of, you know, nanny nanny boo boo kind of thing, right? He's kind of pointing his finger at us a little bit. But if you, if you think about the scripture, all it is, it's just a test, right? It's just a saying, hey, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. And so it's not like saying shame on you for this. You know, it's, that, that's the tendency of how we take it. But the challenge to us is, hey, don't fail in the day of adversity, right? So the, the answer to that is um, maybe your strength should be strong instead of your strength being weak, right? And so the, the thing is that there are ways that we can do that. There are practical common sense ways from scripture that teach us how to be uh, a mature believer, teach us how to, when challenges come in our life, how to, to, to take a stand and how to not be moved and how to um, stand in the evil day. And so there's something that happens. If you do that, there's something on the other side of standing. And so part of that is the inheritance that God has given us. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me just read this scripture again, just as a reminder. Um, starting in verse 10, Ephesians 6. It says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I love that. It's not just ours. It's his. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or stand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. And so we talked about this, just kind of a recap of the series we've been talking through. We talked about, um, you know, the various armor of God, and we didn't touch on every single piece of the armor, but enough to kind of get us going as a reminder. But we talked about how, you know, the, the, the gospel, our, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And so this word preparation comes up more than once. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But the peace of God um, versus peace with God, and, and how peace with God comes because you become a believer, that, that you know, the animosity, the enmity, the Bible says, between you and him because of sin is taken away in Christ. But that's only if you accept it. Otherwise, you know, there's only two kinds of righteousness. There's the righteousness that God gives, or there's self-righteousness. And so self-righteousness turns out it's not any kind of righteousness at all. And so that self-righteousness is, I've got this, I, I've got it under control, I can do it. A picture of that in um, the Old Testament is when the law is about to be given, um, 
you know, Moses stands up and he declares the law, the Ten Commandments, and the various other commandments. And the people of Israel said, we will do everything that you've said. I just remember reading that thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty accomplished guy. You know, I feel like I can take things on. I'd have never said that. <laughs> like, because I know better, man. If I'm being honest, there's like, man, some of that stuff's hard, Lord. That's what I would have said. Like, some of that stuff's hard. We have to do all that, right? Is all of it? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah, if you want to meet the standard, you have to do all of it. And I think that's the challenge. And thankfully, grace teaches us, the Bible says, grace teaches us to say no to sin. Um, what the law does is teaches us that we're sinning, right? <laughs> so it's helpful to know that because it's like, you know, if you, if you pretend like you're not sinning, well, you're, you're just ignorant and everybody else knows you're sinning. You're the only one who doesn't, apparently. Um, but the Bible says this grace is what actually teaches us to say no to sin. It also empowers us to say no to sin. So that's a whole other series. But the peace of God versus peace with God, and you have both of those. Um, and through the gospel. And then we talked about identity, knowing who you are and who you are and how important that is. And then we talked about truth, you know, the, the, the belt of truth and how it wraps everything and holds all the other armor together versus your truth. Like, and that seems to be a popular kind of meme nowadays. It's like, you know, you just live your truth. It's like every time I, every time I hear that, I just want to uh, just, you know, kind of throw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> I just, I hate it. I hate that liberal, you know, mindless drivel that sounds so good, but it's so destructive. It's just so absolutely destructive. Just live your truth. That, that sounds good and destroys lives, right? Especially and, and eternally. It destroys people eternally. So it's, it, you know, it's what sounds good doesn't necessarily always is good. And so keep that in mind. So we talked about that truth versus my truth. What's the difference? And then all of these things kind of putting them together <clears throat> about having done all stand. That was kind of the thing that captured my heart for this series, was having done it all, having done everything that was necessary, stand. I hear people say, I, I'm just doing my best. I'm like, man, your best is not good enough. And that sounds harsh, right? Um, and it would be harsh if, 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 you couldn't, if you couldn't do more. Because you doing your best really means you've come to the end of your strength. And that, the sooner you find out that that's not enough, the better, Right? Because when you come to the end of your strength, what you discover is your strength was never strong enough in the first place. Hence, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is weak. And that's why he talked about in the first part of the scripture, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord. Right? No, don't just be strong. That would be nice, but it's not what he said. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And see, that comes back to stop being, you know, John Wayne, I can do this myself. Stop being the children of Israel who stand up. We will do everything that's written in, this, in these commandments. It's like, no, you won't. You know, take a, take a bit of humility and recognize that, that your capacity outside of God is, is, to, is to sin. That's what it does. We, we, we're selfish by nature, right? That's that sin nature. It's selfishness, and we, wanna, we only want to take care of myself, maybe my family. But if I'm honest, I'll throw them under the bus too if I have to, right? <laughs> so, so that's some of the things that we talked about, this preparation of, <clears throat> excuse me, having done everything, stand, having, having done what is required of you, right? Having, having put the armor of God on, having dealt with truth, having recognized your identity and just going through this list, stop standing in your own power, but the standing in the power of his might, having done everything else, when you do that, you can stand, if you haven't done those things, what you're going to find is in the day of adversity, you're going to find your, your strength is weak and you're going to fail. And again, that's not, the end of, that's not the end of everything. Thank God, God's grace and his mercy is, is overwhelming. And so he reminds us again, hey, that's, you know, that's, not the, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is what I say you are, 
not what circumstances have told you or even what your experiences have given you. And so that's helpful because there's always hope in the kingdom of God, always hope. So perception determines action is something I want to talk a little bit about today. So how you see God, thanks man, appreciate that. So how you see God will determine if you stand in the evil day. So what do, what do I mean by that? Um, I hear people all the time <clears throat> say things about God. It's like um, I've had people say things about friends of mine, right? And so I'll let them talk for a second because, you know, maybe they were, maybe my friend said something to them that, um, you know, maybe they had a bad day. I don't know. You know, sometimes things happen. And so I'll listen to it a little bit. Um, one example, I had a friend, um, uh, somebody had told me that he'd said something to him and it offended them. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't sound like my friend. I mean, maybe he had a bad day. So I said, would you mind if I, you know, if we just talked to him about that? Well, we don't have to do that. I said, oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> so you want to talk about it, but you don't want to fix it. I don't think I'm, that's not how I want to live. So we went and talked to the guy, and he's like, no, man, I, I didn't say that. What I said was this. And it offended him right, rightfully so um, because the guy was wrong. And when we, when we worked it out, it turns out that this, this guy's perspective towards my friend was based on the fact that he had this kind of pet peeve thing that he didn't want to change. And then when my friend confronted him about it, that offended him. So in that process, who was wrong, right? <laughs> and so it turns out my friend was, <clears throat> was doing everything that he could to actually help the guy and to bring him through into some places of maturity because some of the things he was doing was actually destroying relationships um, in his life. And so my friend in his kindness said a hard thing to him. But his perspective of my friend, his, his perception of him was that he was doing something to harm him, he was evil. And so that's how he saw him. And so we do the same thing with God. When God says something challenging to us, rather than saying, you know what, maybe God actually knows what he's talking about and I should process this a little bit and see how much truth is in this. Turns out if God says it, it's, you can pretty much bet on it being true, right? So, but, but it really, it, it's interesting how our perspective changes everything about who God is. And so if we're going to stand in the evil day, right, you can't stand having done all. You're not going to do all if you think God is unkind, Right? If you think God is unmerciful, if you think God's out to get you, if you think God's you know, up there with a big stick just waiting for you to screw up so he can whack you. Right? If you don't understand the gospel, if you don't understand grace, then your perception of God is going to be inaccurate. And because of that, that's how you're going to react to him and that's how you're going to react to people around you. And it's unfortunate because we see it all the time. It's, it's, we call it religion. Religion and Christianity are not the same thing necessarily, right? So um, fruitless, this is something I'm going to talk about, fruitlessness diminishes your inheritance. So again, our perspective of who God is will, will change how we perceive him and therefore how we respond to him. Let me just give you a couple of examples. This is the fig tree. Um, Mark chapter 11, most of us know this story. It says the next day, this is Mark 11, 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. <laughs> I love that last part. And his disciples heard him say it. <laughs> so now they have, a, they have an opportunity. They've just heard Jesus and, and saw Jesus do something. And they have to determine what he meant by that, right? <clears throat> so in this story, I, I remember the first time I read, read this, I'm like, dude, what do you have against trees? I'm like, <laughs> Jesus obviously hated fig trees, you know, apparently. And so it's, it's an interesting story because he says that the, the fig tree was in leaf. In other words, it was, it, was, it was showing that it had fruit on it. 
but it didn't have any fruit. But what's really interesting, it says, um, it wasn't the season for figs. And I, I, I was, remember reading that going, Jesus, that, was, that wasn't fair. Poor little fig tree, you know. It's not its fault it didn't have any figs. The point wasn't that it wasn't the season for figs or not. The point was it was showing that it had fruitfulness and it didn't. It was duplicitous. Now, again, it, you can argue about whether the tree, whether it's the tree's fault or, you know, or something along those lines, and I'm happy to discuss that over coffee. I'm sure that would be an interesting conversation. But the point is there was this, there was this picture of fruitfulness that was absolutely um, untrue. And so this, this thing we see that Jesus cursing the, the fig tree, and again, it's going to tie into the perception that we have of God, is that fruitlessness diminishes inheritance. In other words, if, if you don't bear fruit, then the part of bearing the bearing of fruit is your inheritance in the kingdom, right? And so this whole thing about standing, what's on the other side of standing? Having done all, having prepared, having, you know, put on all the armor of God, using the sword of the Spirit, you know, not just being de- defensive, but going on the offensive, having done everything else, stand. So in other words, when everything around you is falling and circumstances are telling you that you can't stand, you stand, there's something that happens beyond stand, right? And that's kind of how I want to end this series. It's not enough just to realize, you know, sometimes life is tough and you just have to stand, you know, and eternally that's going to pay off. That's true. That's absolutely true. Eternally it's all going to pay off, right? And if it were only that, it would be worth it. But it's not just that. Part of the inheritance is what you get here and now. Let me give you an example. I just shared testimony earlier about the fact we put our car into the shop. And again, first world problem, you know, our cruise control doesn't work. <laughs> I remember back in the old days when our air conditioner was, um, you know, 260. You know, you roll the windows. We don't, we don't do, now we do this when we roll the windows down. When we roll the windows down, that was our air conditioning, right? That's just the brutal reality of growing up poor, unfortunately. There's lots of people who had air conditioning back in the 70s and the 80s, but it wasn't my family, right? It's not something we enjoyed. But the whole point is, is that this whole context of, of, of uh, God saying, hey, there's something that should, you should do. There's something I'm requiring of you, and I'm not going to ask it of you if I'm not going to equip you with the ability to do it, right? So that's the first concept is God's not asking you something you can't do. So if you find yourself failing in the day of adversity, your strength is weak, there's a really good chance, again, this is a test, there's a really good chance that your strength is not being found in him. You're trying to find your strength in psychology, trying to find your strength in, you know, I'll just pep, pep myself up, I'll talk myself, you know, I'll, whatever, I'll just, you know, I'll buck up, I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps, I'll, whatever, I'll, I'll, do it, I'll do it myself. We had a friend, had a little girl, she said, she used to say all the time, do it self, right? That was her, some of her first words, do it self. I can do it by myself is what she's saying. So she tried pouring herself some milk, and so that, that ended up with a gallon of milk in the middle of the kitchen floor, right? Do itself. And they're like, baby, I know you think you can, but you cannot do this in your own strength. You need mommy and daddy to help you. And I think that's, the, that's the, the, the challenge that God brings us. There are some things that we can do in our strength, and that's fine. Um, you know, God has gifted you in many, many ways, and there's a strength in you that comes from the personality he's given you, the gifts he's given you, the passion, the talent, all those things that make up who you are. But at some point, you will come to the end of your strength, and what you do with that matters. Having done all stand, right, part of the, the, the challenge that God's bringing to this in this concept is having done everything in me, you know, in the power of my might, having done everything, all the things that you're capable of, put these things into effect, settle everything in me, 
you know, build yourself up in your most holy faith. We talked about that. That there's this, some, there's this thing that you have to do that's not really, it doesn't end in you. It ends in him, in you, right? And so when we, we capture that concept, there's an expectation of fruitfulness that, that God brings us. So you see this in the picture of, of the fig tree. And if we're not careful, if we have our mindset off, if our mindset is wrong, when God expects some of, something from us and we we don't perform, so to speak, then all of a sudden we start getting angry with him and we start getting resentful. God, you know, you should have. How come you didn't? You know, um, I don't understand. And usually what we're really saying, if we're going to be honest, is we're really talking about the fact that our strength failed. I ran to the end, end of my patience, right? So, um, you know, I, I don't have enough discipline. Turns out that discipline is a fruit of the Spirit. Who knew, right? I mean, except every Christian who ever lived, if they read their Bible. My point is, is there are certain aspects of what we find ourselves living the Christian life really isn't the Christian life at all. It's cultural sometimes. Sometimes it's psychological. There's a di- bunch of different ways, but it isn't, it isn't the truth of the gospel. It isn't, it isn't scriptural. And so we find ourselves failing in the day of adversity. It's a good thing to look back and go, I wonder why that happened. And can it be prevented? And the answer is, of course, yes. And the way that you do that is to lean back into, again, the kingdom and say, having done all, have I, done, have I done, done this God's way and not my own way? That's kind of the question. So again, fruitlessness diminishes inheritance. So, so the reason why God challenges us, the reason why God requires something of us, but he only requires something of us in him. In other words, he doesn't ask it from us if he doesn't put it inside of us in the first place, Right? But that's a process that allows us, listen, testing doesn't come to our lives because, we, because God needs to know what's, what you're made of. I'm pretty sure God already knows what you're made of, but you don't, right? And so part of this is you need to realize that you're not made of, a, of enough strength in your own strength to get this done. So the sooner you quit messing with that and just lay that stuff down, humble yourself before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this. I've, I've never been able to do this. I've deceived myself into thinking I could do this. And so now that that's out of the way, Lord, I'm, all of a sudden my, my, my ears are open, right? And, I, and I'm interested in how you want to do this. So, how, you know, I try, to, I try to love my wife, and it turns out that, you know, um, it's tough for her to love me back because sometimes I'm unlovable, Right? And so, so if I'm not careful, I'll say, well, the problem is, is my wife, or the problem is my husband, or the problem is my kids. And maybe there's some problems there, right? But the issue really isn't about any of those things. The issue really is, is if God asks me to do it, then I'm capable. So if I'm not making it happen, then there's a really good chance that I'm not doing it his way. And so I, I keep reiterating the point. But it leads me into this next passage. This is Matthew um, chapter 25, 24. Another scripture I read and I didn't like. You ever read something in the Bible and go, I don't think I like that, right? Or are you, are you just a Christian and you don't, you don't ever, that's never happened to you, right? <clears throat> I read some passages sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not sure if I like this. And I also have some questions when I get to heaven. <laughs> like the big ones, like, why don't you want to watch? I don't understand, God, why you never owned a watch. Turns out that, you know, my timing and his timing is not necessarily the same thing. Anyway, that's just a side note. So this is Matthew 25. <clears throat> it's telling the story of some people who were given some, uh, given some riches and were expected to produce something in the process. So it's, this is kind of the ending of the story. It says, Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here, 
is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. (laughs) Wow. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And again, I read this scripture the first time and I was like, boy, that seems mean, right? But, but the whole, again, the whole point behind this is your perception determines your reality, right? Your, how you perceive God is going to determine really how you receive from God. So here's the, here's the passage. The other guys were given, um, were given riches as well to, to, in, to, to put into um, some, kind of, uh, uh, some kind of way of gaining more, right? And so the fascinating point is this guy comes, and this is his first, his first the first words out of his mouth were, were this, I knew you were a hard man, right? And so the clue in why this is not, like you read it and you're like, man, God, you know, I thought you were a God of mercy, right? Why, why didn't you show this guy mercy? And the truth was he was trying to show this guy mercy, right? He was trying to show him that, that if you trusted me, if you would do it my way, these other guys did that. He gave them an inheritance. Um, he gave them something to do something with, and they took a chance. They, they in, not just in their own strength, but recognizing that God would have never given them something if he, if, and asked for an abundance back if he had not put it within them to actually make that happen. And so, so the faithfulness that the other guys had were simply, oh, he trusts me with this. Well, then of course I can do it right? Where this, this other guy, he says, you were, you're a hard man. And you, you, you it's, I mean, go back to what he says. It's really, it's really amazing. He says, um, I knew you're a hard man harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And he completely misunderstood this concept of co-laboring and, and being a co-heir with Christ, right? So this whole concept is, look, I'm, I've put this in you. And my expectation is there's going to be something that comes out. Why? Because you're a son. Because everything that I am, I've placed inside of you. Now, maybe you're not fully mature in it yet, but my challenge to you is to grow up into maturity so that you can produce what I've placed, you know, you can produce more of what I've already placed inside of you, right? And so what happens often is, and and we see this right now in these hard times, this scenario of, uh, Lord, how am I expected to do anything with COVID hanging over my neck? You know, it's like, I, I, it's, it's a tough times financially. I mean, I know this, this is true. We know people who, whose family members have passed away and they couldn't attend the funeral. And so struggling for places of, you know, how do I find, um, how do I find some kind of solace in this? It's just a really tough time and a tough season. But let me just say this, it's, it's, this is not the toughest season that Christians have ever had, right? There's been a few other tougher seasons. <laughs> And somehow they, they not only managed, <clears throat> excuse me, they not only managed to, to do okay, they actually oftentimes, and especially in, you read this in the New Testament, in times of great persecution, more people were won to Christ than times when there wasn't persecution. Right? And so there's this thing that the Lord says, I have a mission, I have a plan, I have, I have something that I'll, I'm on about. And especially in first world countries, we forget that because we have it really, really nice, right? So I love it when people talk about wealth in America and how they, you know, they're not getting theirs, 
I'm like, man, you really need to travel. <laughs> you really need to go somewhere else. We had a friend talking about a uh, relationship with uh, pastors in Uganda in the scenario that they're going, uh, going through right now uh, through this uh, pandemic. Um, their phones, everything is by the minute. They purchase minutes. You know, remember those old days, the old days in, in the West like that? Um, and so to, to put a video out, just a small video out, what we would just take for granted because everybody has free Wi-Fi. I mean, I know it's not free, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's part of your, the package you pay for. Um, they can't do that. So this church of a 1,000 people, and some of them they haven't seen in, you know, what is it, however many, 20-something weeks? I haven't even seen them. The only way they can get to them is to just literally go out and, and walk and travel because, you know, the country has shut down um, automobile travel. So, I mean, some of the challenges they're finding, and even in the process of this, they're finding people coming to know Christ um, in the middle, in the midst of this persecution. There's a story that was shared in the men's conference I just came from. It was really interesting about Sir Isaac Newton. Um, and most people don't know, he actually came up with uh, the concept, the revelation, if you will, of, of calculus, which I think is a terrible thing, but apparently it turned out good for some people, right? Math with, uh, with letters in it is, I think, from the devil, but that's another <laughs> it's another conversation. But uh, that happened while he was in uh, social distancing from a pandemic in the 1600s. And most people don't realize. He discovered the theory of gravity. He had an apple tree outside his house, you know, and the story goes it fell on his head. And, huh, revelation. That happened during a pandemic. They sent them home from Cambridge. He was being educated, and he was sent home. And uh, there were people dying left and right. I mean, we didn't have a lot of what we have today. So death was just right around the corner. And in the process of this, with fear hanging over his head, he, he, just, he went home and he said, I, I want to be productive. Right? I want, I feel, he was a believer, and, he, and his sense was, I want to be, I know God has something great for me. And I, my expectation was it was going to be helped by, my, by the education that I was, I was getting through uh, Oxford and Cambridge. Um, but in the meantime, he said, well, Lord, what do you require of me now, even in this pandemic? And in the process of the, process of the pandemic, obviously, calculus, um, the theory of gravity, and a few other theories that he came up with, um, and the world is still benefiting from that. And so in this, in this sense, where we are right now, this sense of um, tragedy and, and, you know, in this pandemic that we're in, and um, we're talking about how bad it is, and it is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing it at all. What I am saying is, um, what's God requiring of you now? Right? If you feel like, you know, God, I, I don't think it's fair that you require of me something, you know, during this situation. God, do you not, do you not know what going, what's going on? I always love that one when I, when I say that, that phrase to God. Like, God, did you, don't you understand? And God's like, yeah, my bad. Totally, my bad. I, I didn't see COVID coming. My, my bad, Dave. Let's, let's, re, <laughs> let's, let's rethink this whole thing. Right? And so we know how silly that sounds when we say it that way. But, but, my, but the reason why I'm bringing all this up is that it's not just enough to stand because that feels in many ways a defensive position, and it is, right? When the world is coming at you, I always have this picture of the, you know, the hurricanes hitting full force and the guy's just standing there leaning in. He's not gaining any ground, but he's not backing up either. And I think that's true, having done all to stand. But I think there's something on the other side of that. There's an inheritance that's, that's created for us that even in the, in the position that we find ourselves, whether that's the pandemic or whether that's circumstances in our life that seem to be less than, you know, positive, 
whether it's struggling with sickness or or challenges with finances or businesses. You know, some people's businesses have failed. But in the midst of that, there's also opportunity. And I think this is what we have to do is when this, when this occurs, ha- part of having done all stand is to be positioned to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm, I've, you know, I'm reporting for battle. I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm not just, you know, bunkering somewhere. I'm not just, you know, going into a, uh, a monastery and, and, and being still, although that's helpful, right? You want to hear the Lord. But there's something about, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing in this midst? That discipleship doesn't stop at pandemic. It actually gets more powerful. You know, persecution doesn't stop the church. It actually grows the church. So in all, in all of the obstacles that come at us, everything the enemy is throwing at us, not one single thing is strong enough to destroy the will of God and the inheritance of God in your life. But if you don't perceive it that way, what will happen is you'll go into this mode of, you know, the best thing that I can do right now is just be in defensive mode. And I just want to challenge that. I want to say enough of that. That's, you know, that's what the enemy's trying to get you to do. To say, you know what, um, all the promises of the Lord that he's given me up until now are all on hold now because of the pandemic. Is that, is that what we're saying? <laughs> Lord, if you, my, the circumstances that I'm, I'm in right now, you just don't understand. Right, right. He doesn't understand, <laughs> right? That the God of heaven became a man, suffered every persecution, suffered every temptation, and didn't give in to one single one of them. But he doesn't understand what you're going through. And see, again, it's, it, it, we have to be careful because we can get judgmental about ourselves very quickly. But if we're also not careful, we will let off ourselves off the hook when the Lord is wanting to hold us accountable to the call and to the inheritance he's placed in our life. So I want to challenge you that what God is doing has not gone away. We're Part of the conversation we're having as a church is saying, okay, this is different, right? Okay, we're having to have church now online, and, you know, some people are coming here, and that's wonderful. I started a, church, a service a couple of weeks ago with four people in the room. And thankfully, a few more people showed up, right, as the service kind of got going. But I just, I don't understand, and, and forgive me if I poke you a little hard on this, but I don't understand why you can't attend services. Especially, well, like, Dave, I'm concerned about my health and stuff. Well, it turns out the COVID is not so strong that it can get through the Internet. <laughs> so you can watch service <clears throat> online, right? And you can be a part of us. And I, what I hear people saying is, well, you know, I've, I, haven't, I haven't attended, I haven't participated, I haven't been a part of the church for a couple of weeks. And then they say things like, well, you know how hard it is. And I, I'm, I'm just being honest. I just want to poke them in the eye, right? That's not the pastoral side of me. That's the leadership side of me. I just want to poke them in the eye and go, listen, the best thing you can do is be connected into community in times of crisis. The very best thing you can do is to hear the word of the Lord, is to be reminded of God's goodness and his kindness and what he's doing in your life, is to be reminded of the strength that you have in him in these scenarios, in these situations, because it's the only thing that's going to get you through, right? It positions you not just to take the stand, but to be fruitful even when everything else is saying I can't be fruitful. And the problem usually with being fruitful has nothing to do with you can't do it. It's how you perceive God and why you won't do it. And so it's enough, right? Just It's time to come back to center and go, you know what? Um, let me refocus 
on what God said is he's on about in my life. And so all the promises of God are true and amen in your life. If he's promised you something, he's not done with you. He's not finished. Well, well, I'm suffering this sickness or I'm suffering this setback. That's fine. You can suffer whatever you want to suffer, right? But in the end, God's promises are still true. And so I want to challenge us to lean into the promises and say, Lord, there is a massive inheritance that you've given me um, as, as a saint. Part of that is to bring many sons to glory. In this unprecedented time, you hear that word all the time, in this unprecedented time, all of the world has attended a funeral. And by that, I simply mean that for the, for the first time in, any, in my lifetime at least, people are looking at mortality in a way they have never looked at it before. All of a sudden, the possibility of death is present constantly, right? I could get COVID, I could die, and, and, and it just, and, you know, all the things I put my trust in, turns out, are failing. Um, man, I, maybe I need to rethink my values, maybe I need to rethink my purpose, maybe I need to rethink what's important in my life. There has been no greater time in history to preach the gospel than right now. We're on mission, that's what we're called to do. And so we can wallow in our self-pity. We can wallow in the challenges that we have. And don't get me wrong, I have them too. I re- it's not that the challenges aren't there. They are. It's just in, in comparison, the challenges don't hold a candle to the promises of God in our life. So let me wrap it up with just a couple of scriptures and a quote by C.S. Lewis. Ephesians 1.11 says this, In him, talking about Jesus, also we have obtained an inheritance. When you gave your life to Christ and he came to live inside of you, there was an inheritance that came with it. But let me just say this. If you refuse to mature as a son, you will not see the fullness of that inheritance in this world. You know, I I give my life to Christ and never, I decide never to change and mature at all as a believer. Heaven still awaits me. I'm heaven ready because that's how grace works. That's how the gospel works. But God's called us to walk in maturity, especially in this life, because there is a mission that we're still on. If that weren't true, you would get saved and you'd instantly die. And Because, you know, how much more holy are you going to get than the day you get saved? <laughs> right? You're no holier and, and, and no less holy than you're ever going to be in that moment because Jesus has paid the price. There's been a great exchange. And the maturity that, that God's challenging you to grow in is about the mission that we're on in this world. Right? So if we, if, we're, if we remove ourselves to, to you know, to the uh, church house or surround ourselves only with the believers, then what we've done is we've made ourselves feel safe, but we've forgotten that we have a mission. And I, I remember that there was this context of recognizing this in Desert Storm, when I was in Desert Storm, that there's an aspect of you've got to do the job even though you're, you're, you're potentially going to get killed doing it. Because if you don't, you're, you're never, we're never going to win this war. Right, and this this concept of the, um, the like in World One World War One, um, a war of attrition, where there's a there's a group of people who sit in a trench on one side, and there's a group of people who sit in a trench on the other side, and they just wait each other out, and you know periodically lob mortars in, kill a few people here and there, but but just as many people died of trench foot in some scenarios, and they died of combat. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to die of trench foot, right? I want to go over the wall and take the other side or die trying. That's what I want to do. There's something that rises up in me, and I believe it's God, and I want it to rise up in you too. 
that hold up a second. Just because the enemy's thrown this monkey wrench in us, it's, he's not greater than God. And his, and his desire to, to distract us, to take our minds off what God said was important, is exactly what, what he's trying to do, but you can't let him win, and that's up to you, not up to anybody else. You have to make a decision what you're going to do with the inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance. In the message version, it says it this way. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Isn't that interesting? Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. His plan for your life is not a plan of brokenness and hurting. His plan is hope. His plan is peace. His plan is maturity. His plan is joy. His plan is to be the head and not the tail. And if you find yourself not living in that, it's a good idea to ask why. Because I promise you it's not on him. And this is not about beating you up. It's just saying, hey, if I'm finding myself failing in the day of adversity and my strength is weak, maybe my strength is not in the Lord after all, and I need to rethink some, some things. And I think that is a really good idea. So let me finish with this quote. This is C.S. Lewis. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Why don't you stand with me? My heart in this series was not just to get us in defensive mode, but it's to remind us that if we, if we put on the armor of God, if we, do, if we make preparation, if we do what God has called us to do, if we're simply just good disciples, we hear the voice of God and we do what He says, whatever level of discipleship you find yourself in, whatever level of maturity, if you're a brand new believer, um, all the way up to you've been serving the Lord most of your life, that's fine either way. The question never changes. What is God saying to you, and what are you doing about it? You have a responsibility for what the Lord has said to you, even in COVID, <laughs> even in a pandemic. The call of God has not been rescinded because of the circumstances you find yourself in. His inheritance is far greater than that. And too often, we limit ourselves because we put ourselves, we limit the fruitfulness of our own lives because we think it's about the fruitfulness of our own lives. And we forget that it is the God who lives in us who will live out of us, right? And so it's a very interesting thing that I I have to present myself, the Bible says I present myself um, as a sacrifice, right? And the challenge with living sacrifices, as they say, is they keep crawling off the altar, (laughs) right? So we need a reminder on a regular basis that God, God has not forsaken us so that's the first thing. If you think he's forsaken you, if you're, that's your strength failing, right, in the time of adversity. If you feel that God has forsaken you, part of this is maybe there's some patterns that you need to get back into. Are you still reading your Bible? Are you spending time in prayer? Have you let the circumstances of this world take the patterns of a disciple out of your existence? And if so, what would you expect to happen? If I don't spend time with my wife, do you think our intimacy is going to grow or, or become less? It's a common sense question. And the same thing is true with our walk with the Lord. Spending time with Him, right? Doing the, the work of a disciple. All that means is simply presenting myself and saying, God, 
listen, I, I hear what you're trying to say to me, and I want to talk to you about how to, how to walk this out. And this has been my discovery. I, every time I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. Every single time. Every single time. And what I'm finding is, in, in this context, we're sharing this with our leaders in our church, is this is a season of opportunity. The method is changing, but the message has never changed. So whatever these circumstances bring, what you can expect if, if you're paying attention in the kingdom is you can expect, actually, opportunities to begin to present themselves. So I want to challenge you, as you've done everything and you stand, remember that there is an inheritance in you that has not been taken away by the circumstances you find yourself in. So lean in. Expect good things. When, we, when they told us it was going to cost us $1,300 to get our car fixed, I refused to accept it. Accept it. Now, I had savings in case. <laughs> I was reminded of the scripture. Um, <clears throat> comes down to this. It's like uh, the, you can throw me in the furnace, and my God will rescue, rescue me. But know this, O king, even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow to you. Right? And that's the attitude I want us to take on, is that, circumstances are going to try to tell us something, but know this, circumstances, (laughs) whatever you try to do, God will rescue out of them, them, but even if it appears that he's not, I'm still not going to bow to you. I will take my stand, and I'm going to see the Lord do what he called us to do. He's going to see the goodness of the Lord, Scripture says, in the land of the living. That means here and now, not eternity. So get your hopes up. Trust the Lord for amazing things. Come back next week with incredible testimonies. Dave, your message was amazing. And I took it at face value and just began to believe the Lord for good things and look at all the things that began to happen. Come back with testimonies. Lord, you're good and I expect you to be good, even in the circumstances. And I expect because of your goodness in me, I'm going to get to share that goodness with people who don't yet know you. And man, this is going to be an incredible opportunity for people to come to know Christ, for hope and joy to come in people's lives who have never experienced it. There's tremendous fear going on right now, and you have the answer for that because he lives in you. Amen? Jesus, we love you, and we say thank you, Lord, even for the challenge. Lord, you would never challenge us to do something that you have not uh, given us the ability to do. So, Lord, help us to find that and to see that and to understand it. And, Lord, to, to, to make it applicable in our lives and to actually take that on and, and trust you and believe you for it. And, Lord, as we do that, I, my expectation, Lord, is testimonies are going to begin to abound in a season where destruction is the norm, where brokenness and hurting and, and even uh, desperation is the norm. Lord, we're going to hear of opportunities and incredible moments of testimony of how you've broken through in people's lives. And so for that, Jesus, we say thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, if you're here in the building with us, um, just hang out where you are and just kind of wave at us and we'll come over and pray for you. If you need prayer online, you can send an email to prayer at dothancf.com and we'll make sure that we get someone to either call you or let, let, uh, get in touch with you and so we can pray for you. Have a wonderful week. We love you guys. Thank you.